told the kids last week that uh, they're going to be in here for the month of December, and so last week was the normal week for them to be in here, but then next week was the kids, and the next week was the, the program, so we decided just to keep them in here all week. So if the kids will come up on the stage, I've got something I'm going to show you this morning, and so just come up and sit down right here in front of me real quick, and uh, we'll get going. All right. I have, I do have candy, and I'm not sharing Ha, <laughs> ah, just kidding. All right. How many of you like M&M's? You know, what's, you know what the great thing about M&M's is? It has chocolate in it. Yes, it's wonderful. And chocolate is the best. Yes, chocolate is really good. But if you, have a, if you just buy a candy bar, if you just buy a candy bar and you have a friend with you and your friend says, hey, can I have a bite of your candy bar? Do you really want to share? No, because they have to take a bite off of it. And and who really wants to eat after somebody else? Now, I I would. I would eat after about anybody. I mean, you can't get this size, and I just eat all the time. But the great thing about M&Ms is if you have a friend, and your friend says, hey, you've got some M&Ms, they don't have to bite them or anything. They just hold out their little hand, and you just pour some M&Ms in their hand, and they're really fun to share, all right? I don't know how fun it is to share because I like to eat them all, but it's easy to share M&Ms, isn't it, okay? All right, and so in during Christmas time, M&Ms makes red and green M&Ms, okay? Now, here's the deal. I was afraid to share with you out of this because I didn't know how many of your parents would want you to have these. So what I have is after church, I have those little fun bags, the little fun size, and if you'll come to me after church, I'll give you that. I don't know why they call it fun size, because it's so small. This is fun size, right? This is fun size. That, that over there, that's not enough to even get you going hardly, but that's what I have for you, and I'm sorry, but I, I was afraid if I gave them to you now, you'd be eating them during church, and you'd get me in trouble and get you in trouble, so... I'm, I'm going to do, the, I'm going to take these home and eat all these myself, and I'm going to give you all the little fun size ones. I know that sounds cruel, but that's a good lesson in life, that life is cruel. So here's, here's a red M&M, and here's a green M&M, okay? Josie, I'm going to trust you. Don't get in those. You'll get in trouble. What does the, what does the M&M say on it? It has an M, doesn't it? That was pretty easy, wasn't it? What if I, what if I turn it like that? What does it look like? What's it look like, Kobe? A W, right? It does. What if I turn it up like that? An E. Does it look like anything else? It's a glare. I can't see. It's a glare. Use your imagination, Isaiah. A kind of a peanut. Well, sort of. What? What does it look like? Another letter or a number? A three, right. So we have a M, it says M, and then we have a three or an E or a W, okay? And so let's say that you're, sometimes we want to share with our candy with others, but mostly what should we share? What's a good thing that we could share with people? 
Live? G- God, yes. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard for me to think of a good way to share God with somebody. I don't know about you guys. You guys are probably good at it. But if you're eating M&Ms this week and you have a friend that you know that may not know God, you can take the M&M and say, Do you know, have you ever heard the Christmas story? You know that you can tell the Christmas story with an M&M? So let's start with M. What are some things in the Christmas story that begin with M? These things are not supposed to melt in your hand, and they just sure are. I mean, we're going to town here. What starts with M? Mary. We just heard a song about Mary. The angel came to Mary and said that you are going to have a child. And so when you look at your M and M, you can say the M stands for Mary. That what else might be in the story that starts with an M? The Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. Yes. I thought, I thought of something. I was trying to think of something that began with him. What about the manger? What, what was the manger? What did the manger do? That's where Jesus was. Okay. Now, let's take... Boy, that thing is just... I'm eating them. I'm eating them. It's just melting in my hand. Let's imagine. We need more M&Ms. No. So I turn it and it looks like an E. What would E stand for? Enormous? Well, I don't know of anything that was enormous, but that's a good... Emmanuel. That's good. I didn't even think about that one. Jesus came to beat evil. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell, tell you one. The word says that the wise men came from the... No, east. The wise men came from the east. And so east is something that we can talk about. And, and also there was a lady that had a baby that was, that was pregnant while Mary was pregnant, and her name was Elizabeth. Before Jesus was born, Elizabeth became pregnant with who? John the, John the Baptist. And right after Mary was told that she was going to have Jesus, she went to live with Elizabeth. Elizabeth was related to Mary. And what happened to Elizabeth when she heard Mary's voice? Anybody remember? Nope. She said that her baby jumped inside of her. John the Baptist jumped inside of her. That's funny, isn't it? But as soon as he heard, as she heard Mary's voice, and so Elizabeth. Also, there's a country named uh, that uh, has to do with the with the Christmas story. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and while they were there, the Magi came, and they came and brought gifts. And then what happened, what, an angel came to Joseph and said, you need to leave. And where did he tell Mary and Joseph to go? Egypt, Egypt right. And so Egypt, there's an E in Egypt. And so you can look at and think about all these thing, things that have to do with the story. Now, if you turn it and you look at it, and it says E, but it also looks like the number three. What, what were there three of? Well, it doesn't say specifically that there were three shepherds, but there may have been. There was... Three wise men? Okay. Lots of times we think that there were three wise men. Has anybody ever read in the Bible that there were three wise men? No. No. It doesn't say that. But we always think that. Why do we think that? I'm going to ask you. Well, there's something in the Bible that makes us think that it's true. There was three gifts. Does anybody know what the gifts were? You guys know everything. What about you? Frankincense, myrrh, and silver, gold. Gold. 
You said silver and gold. That's four. Three. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? So there's three gifts. Now, when we turn it up to W, can anybody think of anything that W would be? The wise men, yeah. Wilson, Wilson, your last name. I don't, re- I don't remember reading about you in the story, but Aaliyah, I'm sure we could figure out something. <laughs> no, Why, the wise men, yes, the wise men were there, but also worship, worship. What did, what did, the, what did the shepherds do and what did the wise men do when they came to see Jesus? They worshiped him, they worshiped him. So during this time... If you are eating M&Ms during Christmas time and you have a friend that says, hey, could you share your M&Ms? Don't be stingy. Share your M&Ms with them, but also say, hey, what does this say on there? And that'll give you, that'll help remind us of some different things that were going on in the story. And maybe you can, maybe, you know, there's some kids that just think that Christmas is about lights and Christmas trees and getting presents. And that's all that they think that it is because they've never heard of the story of Jesus. But maybe while you're sharing your M&Ms with them, you could tell them about what the real story is about Jesus Christ coming to die for our sins, okay? I'm going to pray with you, and then I'm going to let you go back and sit with your mom and dad. Now remember, when service is over, come out to the front door, and I'll give you... I'll give you the, a little bag of M&M's to take home with you, okay? Don't forget. Huh? Oh, no, they're about that big. It's worth the trip out there. It's not enough? Okay, all right. I'll just keep your, I'll give yours to Cor- uh, Kobe, okay? That'd be all right? No, you want it? Okay, all right. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you so much. I thank you for each one of these kids. And Father, I pray that you would speak into their lives so that they would each one early come to know who you are and that they would know the real meaning of Christmas. All those other things, are, are they can be good and fun and help us to remember, but Father, help us always to remember that Christmas is about you sending your son to die for our sins. And Father, help us to accept the gift that you've given us and help us not to to keep it to ourselves, but help us to share it with others as well. I pray that each one of these kids would come to know you and follow you all the days of their life. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can go sit with your mom and dad. Thank you. All right. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn in them to Matthew chapter 2. And this is the story of the visitation of the Magi or the wise men, as we call them. And uh, they are looking for Jesus. And this morning we're going to ask the question, who finds Jesus? Okay, so let's all stand and uh, read together and pray that God's word would speak into our lives this morning. Let's read this. This is my Bible, the living word of God. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. This word is the truth. It never changes and can never be destroyed. Right now my mind is alert. My heart is open. 
I'm about to receive a life-changing experience. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, uh, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph on on a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. While he stayed where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that had been learned from the Magi. Then what was fulfilled through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. That is the fourth prophecy that's mentioned in just one chapter of Scripture talking about Jesus' story. Four prophecies are fulfilled in one chapter. We're going to talk about that this morning. Father, we love you. And we pray that today that you would that you would speak to our hearts and that we would hear you. Father, help us to be people who seek after you in everything that we do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Who finds Jesus? The word says that Jesus reaches out to us, that the Holy Spirit reaches out to us. But it also says that the people who look for Jesus find him. I want you to pay attention to this story here today. It's, it's, it is loaded with stuff that talks about prophecy. It talks about who Jesus was, and it talks about the people who actually find him and whose actual lives are changed by that. Uh, in, in the play that we're getting ready to do, Ronnie Bryce has a, has a line in there, and it says, I can only pray that when he comes, meaning the Messiah, that when he comes, we will know him. The last word of the prophecy that, that had been given had been 400 years before, Matthew, for, before the time of this. So it had been 400 years with no prophecy. It had been 400 years of silence before the time that Jesus was born. 
And when you don't hear from God, it's easy to just kind of go through the motions. If you don't hear any new word from God, you just kind of keep going on what you had heard. And nothing new was happening. And the teachers and the priests and the, and the teachers of the law were busy and they were coming up with new laws and new rules. And, and there was a lot of religion, but most of it was to have power over the people that they were over. And they had, had made things of God so, so, so much to where it was just so much religion. It was just acts of, of human actions. It was, it was human tradition and not real worship. And we have a lot of tradition that goes on during Christmas time, don't we? There's lots of things we do, and, and every family has something. Uh, I, I sat down with the boys on Tuesday, and I said, what's something you do at Christmas time? And each one of them had something that their family does every year. We do this every year. And if we're not careful in anything that we do, it can be at church, it can be during the holidays, it can be any kind of tradition. We do it over and over and over enough that instead of something that points us to, to what we're supposed to be doing, it actually just becomes something we do. And it's just, it doesn't have mean anything. It's not worship anymore. It's just tradition. It doesn't point us to God. It's just something that we do and we act on. And so we have to be very careful. It becomes duty. And I want to ask you this morning, has Christmas become duty in your life? Has Christmas become something that you just do? Has the, has the, the traditions of it become something you do? Or are they something that point you towards worship? Something you just do because you're expected to you, expected to do. You buy presents because you have to. You put up decorations because you have to. You do the same things every year because you're expected to. And you know you're expected to. It's your duty. What if you got a present from a person that you loved very much during Christmas time? And your friend comes to you or your wife or your, your kid comes to you and they say, well, here's the present that I have to you, I have for you, and I'm just getting it for you because I have to. How does that make you feel? Would that make you feel really good? I want to challenge every husband to go to your wife this Christmas, <laughs> buy them a gift and say, I'm just getting you this because I have to. And have your kids filming it with their phone. And then the Sunday after Christmas, we're going to have a contest. And we're going to judge how that goes. You ever watch Jimmy Kimmel? He does some of that stuff and, and they have a contest. But, but go to your wife and say, this is your present, but I'm just getting you this because I have to. Your kids really don't care because they just want presents. But you say that to someone you really love and they're not really going to like it at all. And so think about this as you go through this holiday season, through the time of Christmas, are you just doing the things because you have to? Are you just going through the motions because you have to? Is it duty <coughs> or is it worship? You know, everything we do is supposed to be out of worship. We sang Christmas songs this morning, not out of duty. <coughs> but they should have been out of worship. I love it when it comes time to sing the Christmas songs because, you know, you only sing them once a year, a couple, three times a year. 
And we don't want it to become duty. We want it to be worship. And, and, uh, and so we don't want our holiday time, our Christmas time, just to become duty. Now, in this time that we're talking about, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders of the law and even some of the, the Jewish people had just become religious. They were going through everything as, as duty. Religious had become, religion had become a duty. They, they worked hard to, uh, to, uh, to do, keep all the rules, but it had just become duty. And in the midst of this, they, they were, they were so versed in everything, but still yet they are not the ones. The people who should have known who Jesus was, the people that should have been reading all the prophecies, should have understood all the prophecies, are not the ones who found Jesus. The, the, the people who found Jesus were some Gentile wise men. They weren't Jews. They weren't people who were in Scripture all the time. The shepherds who were out in the fields at night, who were probably not even literate, who couldn't even read, they were the ones who found Jesus, not because they knew the words of the prophet, but be, the prophets, but because they were searching for Jesus. I want us to, uh, to uh, go to Scripture. I, I had Tim put up a Scripture here. First, the first verse that we read this morning during worship, Psalms 19.1. You say, how did a bunch of Gentile magi or wise men find Jesus? The Word says that the heaven declares the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. They looked in the sky, they saw the star, and they knew that it was about Jesus. They say, how do you know that? I don't know. But the word says that the heavens proclaim who Jesus is. The religious people (coughs) missed it. The religious people saw the same star, they looked in the same sky every night, and they missed it. Is it possible that we, as a people in the church, can see the same things other people see and not see God? Is it possible that we get into the Word, that we read our Word, that it becomes so normal to us that we miss what Jesus is trying to say to us? Is it possible that we can go to church every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night, that we can sit in youth group, that we can sit in, sit in Sunday school and become and see the same word written over and over and over again and it becomes something that we can't see God anymore? Is it possible that that happens to us? It had happened to people in the Jewish leadership and the religious people missed... <coughs> They saw the same thing that the wise men saw, but they missed it. They should have been paying attention. But the wise, star, the wise men, the stargazers, saw it. During this period of history, most people couldn't read. And there wasn't much printed word to read, even if you could read. And the people were, who were educated had access to the words of God, and yet they didn't know who Jesus was. I think this is interesting because in chapter 2 alone, Jesus fulfills four different prophecies that the priests should have known. They should have been aware of these things. And all of them were written six to seven hundred years before this happened by four different prophets. If it had been the same fellow that wrote it, 
It might be understood, but these are four different people writing about the same guy six to 700 years before it happens. Do you realize how unlikely that is for that to happen? There are four prophecies that were written 700 years before it happens. Try to make a prophecy about someone 600 years from now. Think about that. Think about you saying something right now, and 600 years from now, it happens. You know the guys with the, at the weather, the weather station, the weather, the weathermen? They can't predict what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone 600 years from now. They talk, they talk about all this global warming. And when I was a kid, it was global cooling, and it was, it was all going to freeze. When I was a kid, we were all going to freeze. Now we're all going to burn up. Now I don't know what we're going to do. But they make predictions of things that's going to happen five, six hundred years from now. And it's just not going to happen. Is that for me, Gary? You are a good friend. I don't care what your wife says about you. You're... Go get him one, too, while you're at it. I'll share with you. So all these were made a long time ago. There was also a prophecy about how Jesus would die a thousand years before he actually died. A thousand years before crucifixion was even invented. A thousand years before anybody got in their mind, hey, we ought to nail somebody to a tree. A thousand years before anyone even came up with that, a prophecy was made about Jesus. Okay? I got to thinking about that. That a thousand years... Before crucifixion is even invented, somebody says the Messiah is going to die by crucifixion. And nobody's even thought of it yet. It would be like in, in the year 800, in the year 800, somebody says, in the year 1800 and something, because I looked this up, they're going to electrocute someone in an electric chair. Electricity wasn't even discovered at that time. See, you see how, how hard that would be? They're talking about things that aren't even discovered, and yet the word prophesies things six, seven hundred, a thousand years before it even happens. That's how wonderful God's word is. And so we see this in this, before, he, before Jesus was even born, it said that he's going to be born. He says he's going to be born in a certain town, and they weren't even living in there. I, I got to thinking about how, how I could... Uh, the only president that I know where his hometown is, is Bill Clinton. And it was in Hope, Arkansas. And I don't know why I remember that. But I was kind of, a, when, when Bill Clinton came on the, on the scene, I was kind of starting to get interested in politics. And so I'm not a Bill Clinton fan, but I do know that he was born in Hope, Arkansas. So imagine that 700 years before Bill Clinton is born, someone says... The president of the United States of America, a, a leader, a world leader, is going to be born in Hope, Arkansas. Okay? 700 years before Bill Clinton was born in Hope, Arkansas, there wasn't a Hope, Arkansas. There wasn't a Hope anything. There wasn't an Arkansas. There wasn't a United States. Nobody had even discovered America yet. And so we're talking about this, the, 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 the chances of these things happening are unbelievable. And yet it happened. And this scripture has four prophecies that came true. I read this week about the probabilities of this happening. The probability of, of even eight prophecies of one person 
that many years away happening are. And it said that if you took a silver dollar and put an X on the back of it, and you took enough silver dollars to cover the state of Texas two feet deep, and you mixed all those silver dollars with the one you marked in it, and you mixed all of them together, and you set it out there, the probability of eight prophecies of Jesus coming true would be you walking to that one silver dollar and finding it out of all of those. And yet those things happened. God's word is true, folks. God's word is true. And we have to listen and be able to see it. So I think that uh, Mary and Joseph probably didn't have a whole lot of, uh, of, of exposure to be able to read the scripture and things like that. And so it wasn't through the word that they knew who Jesus was, but they were righteous and they were looking for God. Now, Mary and Joseph were doing the religious ceremonies and they weren't doing them out of duty. They were worshiping. They loved God. And what I want, to, want you to know this morning is if you really are seeking God, he makes himself known to you. If you really want to know God, he reveals himself. In Matthew 7, 7, the word says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Lots of people say, well, I'm just not hearing Jesus. I'm just not hearing God. Are you seeking him? Are you seeking him continuously? In Psalms, it talks about the the man who cries out to the Lord day and night, that God is very near that person. I think sometimes we say, I'm not, I'm not hearing who God is. Are you, are you seeking? Are you listening? And the people here in, in Jesus' time when he was born, they were doing worship out of duty, but they weren't listening. They weren't seeking. They weren't finding. And I'm afraid that sometimes we come to church or, or we come to God, or maybe we even come to God's word and we say, okay, God, impress me. God, show me something. I'm afraid that sometimes we come to church on Sunday morning and we say, okay, God, you've got one hour to make yourself known to me. Go. Is that how we come to church sometimes? You see, that's what the, that's what the priests were doing. They, they, they controlled the access to God. They, they had power with the Roman government and they had power over the Jewish people and they were looking to see what knowing God could do for them. But they weren't seeking to worship God. They weren't interested in knowing God. And this is the way we get at times. And we want to, what, what can God give me? And, and what, what do I need from God? And, and, and I want to ask you, I, I got to thinking about this. If all we want is what God can do for us, what kind of a relationship is that? I want you to imagine a much younger and much skinnier me. It's hard to imagine, but it, it happened many, many years ago. I was really skinny and really good looking and, and in shape and and I went to Cindy Chamberlain's door and knocked on the door and her dad he wished he never had done it but he let me in and imagine on that first date that I walked up to Cindy and I said uh, all right Cindy you've got about two hours to make a good impression on me and if you make a good impression on me I might take you on a second date Go. 
I can imagine that at that time, Cindy probably would not have left with me. She would have still been in the house, and there would have been a lot of shaking her head and her finger. You don't come in here and tell me, you know. But isn't that what we do to God sometimes? Hey, I'm just being I'm just being dead honest. God impress me. God, I, I need this and, and, and can you think you could hurry it up a little bit? God, what, what can you do for me? We, we, come, we come into the Word like we sit down in the morning and we get ready to read our... Okay, God. Impress me. You've got, I've, I'm giving you 30 minutes of my life. You better get to speaking. Do you think that's the kind of relationship that God wants with us? Or do you think that God is seeking the kind of relationship where we just all day long... God, what, what do you want me to... What do you want me to hear today? God, what do you want me to get from, what, what, what do you want to say to me in your word? And God, I'll give you all the time you need. And if I need to turn off the TV to hear you, I, I want to do that. And if I need to cut out some things in my life to hear you, God, I'm, I'm going to do that. You see, for the, for the ones we love, we move our schedules around to be with them, don't we? When I was dating my wife, there was some time set aside each week, and we were, we were going to go on a date. Nearly every Friday night, we went to Pizza Hut. Every week. <laughs> Man, I don't know how I ever got married. But we did, man. And we, we would go do things, and we had fun. But like with God sometimes, I think I think we... We don't set aside any time. We don't set aside any time where he could possibly talk to us or we could possibly hear. It's just like, okay, God, you you need to go. Hurry up. Get at it. We come to church on Sunday morning. Oh, bless me with your songs. Well, those weren't the songs that I wanted to hear this morning. I I was wondering why I can possibly get anything out of those songs. I, I need my songs. And pastor didn't preach the message I wanted to hear him preach. Uh, he, he preached something dumb. I, I, need, I need this kind of message. That was a dumb story. He needed to have a better, he needs to get on the internet and find better object lessons. That one stunk. He needs more magic and things like that. Folks, it's hard. This is hard stuff to come up with. Last week, last week I really had them. They were like, wow, that's awesome. I was like, I'm never going to be able to find anything like this again. I just want to quit. I need, we were just like, oh God, just impress me again. All right, that was good last week. Impress me again. Impress me again. You know what? A relationship is not about impressing every day. I'm going to tell you what. At my house, when Cindy sees me in the morning, she's not very impressed. It's not, Gary, that wasn't that funny, but anyway. <laughs> Thanks, friend. You were right up here, now you're down here. It's mostly every day, isn't it? When you're married, it's not the stuff that impre- It's just the everyday being there, the everyday talking, the everyday going through life together. And sometimes I think Christmas, 
we have a hard time because we do the same things every year. We put up the lights, we put up the tree, we put up the decorations, we do the plays, we go to the parade, we eat out, we go to our families, we go to this family, we go to that family, we eat the same thing, we have the same thing, we have all this tradition which is supposed to point towards this, but sometimes we can get bogged down in the tradition and we can't hear. And you've got to work at it. You know that the nun of the priest, the, the, the magi comes in and they say, we saw this star and where is the Messiah going to be born? Herod goes, okay, I'll know the, these guys will know where that is. And so they crawl in all, they call in all the priests and he goes, okay, where's the Messiah going to be born? Well, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem of Judah. Thank you. Not one of them went to look for Jesus. Do you understand that? Not one of them, while they were, the king comes and asks you, where is the Messiah going to be going born? Not one of them said, wonder why he's asking that. Not one of them said, why, why do you want to know? Not one of them thought that there was any way that Jesus would come and they not know what was going on. Because they were, I mean, they were doing the tradition. We're doing it every day. If something's going to go on, we're going to know about it. There's no way we could miss it. And they missed it. They missed it. Because they weren't looking. And I'm going to tell you, you can get in it and you can put your head down and you can go from now to the end of December and you can do and do and do and do and miss everything that God would want to say to you during this time. I got to make myself, I have to make myself stop and seek. I have to do it. Or I'll just lower my head and it'll be January and I'll miss everything. I promise you, if you're not careful, it'll happen to you. It's happened to me. And I think sometimes we think, well, if we're doing all this, we're, we're going to hear God. He's going he's to, he'll, he'll show Word says, you got to seek him. You got to seek him. I want us to stand this morning. This morning I'm not talking about getting saved or anything like that. This morning I'm talking about being dead honest and saying, am I seeking God like I should? I'm preaching to the church this morning, preaching to me. I want you to be dead honest this morning. Am I seeking God like I should? The Jewish leaders were so involved in all the things that they were doing that when a guy comes in and says, hey, where's the Messiah going to be born? It didn't even trigger a thought that Messiah might be coming. And if we're not careful, we'll get in the middle of Christmas and forget everything that God would want to speak to us during this time. And I'm just asking you this morning, are you really seeking God today? I want Jimmy and Missy to come, if you will, or Lance, whoever, come for just a minute. This is... The reason I preach this is 
because it is a struggle for me. Man, I walk, I walk the road with you. I got a family and a wife and kids, and now I've got grandkids. We're going to have another grandkid. I'm going to have six grandkids. I know what you're thinking. You're far too young and good looking to have that many grandkids. You're right. But we start thinking about, I mean, I listen to my wife. You know, I've got to get this one this and this one this and this one this. And I'm just like, you know, go do it. But if I'm not careful, man, I get bogged down in that stuff. And I, and I can't, and I won't hear what God has to say to me. I know how I am. maybe some of you are like that too and this morning we're on the front end December's just started I'm going to tell you God wants to speak to you during these next few weeks I know he does I have heard the little play that the little kids are given next week God wants to speak to you in that God wants to speak to you as your kids are learning their lines, as they're going through, as they're singing. God wants to speak to you. If you're in the Christmas play for the adults, God wants to speak to you in that. Don't just get in there and try to memorize all your lines. Say, God, what do you want to say to me while I'm learning this? God wants to speak to you. If you just come and watch it, God wants to speak to you in that. He wants to speak to you as you get together with your family, as you're going through all the things. But if you're not careful, you will miss it. The the religious people missed it. Because they got all involved in the religious and they forgot the relationship. Are you seeking God today? Or do you just need to stop? I'm just going to give you a moment to stop and say, God, help me seek you better. I am not seeking you like I should. Help me, God. Help me, God. If you need to pray this morning, just come to God and say that, God, help me seek you better this morning. Come as we sing this morning. Draw me close to you.